0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وصيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له so last week then we began looking at this book. This book which is about the seerah of the Prophet a biography of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam As we know of course, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Was the final messenger Allah had sent Many prophets And messengers Throughout history From the beginning Of mankind Adam Alaihi Wasallam The first man Adam Alaihi salam, And then after that Mankind spread And increased in number And we know that Noah, Nuh السلام, was the first of the messengers sent in order to teach the people Tawheed, i.e. to teach the people to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and not to worship other false gods. There is only Allah to worship. So the prophets and messengers were sent in order to tell the people, to guide the people back to the worship of Allah alone. And the last prophet, the last messenger, was Muhammad sallallahu wasallam. And so this series of lessons, it is about the history and the life Of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam The Final Messenger We began last week by mentioning his lineage By mentioning his family history And we said that The historians are agreed That his lineage goes up to Adnan with those specific names agreed upon And so that was Muhammad The son of Abdullah The son of Abdul Muttalib The son of Hashim The son of Abd Manaf The son of Qusay The son of kilab The son of Murrah The son of Ka'ab The son of Lu'ay The son of Ghalib The son of Fahar Son of Malik Son of Nadar, Son of Kanana, Son of Khuzaymah Son of Mudraka, son of Ilyas, son of Mudar, of Nizar, of Ma'ad, of Adnan. Up to there, it is agreed upon by the historians. And then we carried on with that lineage, and it goes through Ismail, السلام, the son of Ibrahim. So we know that the lineage of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam definitely meets through Ismail, the son of Ibrahim, alayhim as How exactly it gets to that point, as we said, is differed over. From Adnan up to Ismail, the son of Ibrahim, there is a difference. But we know it definitely goes through that line. Through Ismail the son of Ibrahim, a.s. And we mentioned the statement of Ibn al Qayyim, one of the great scholars of the past, Ibn al Qayyim, Rahimahullahu ta'ala, he had said Ilahauna Up to Adnan, it is known, the authenticity is known. Absolutely those names up to Adnan, that is agreed upon between the scholars of history and lineage, and there is no difference up to Adnan at all. When you go beyond Adnan upwards, then it's differed over. وَلَا خِلَافَ بَيْنَهُمْ أَنَّ عَدْنَان مِنْ عليه السلام But there is no dispute though, that the lineage, the line does go up through Ismail, the son of Ibrahim, عليه السلام. So that was the lineage. Then we mentioned about the mother of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The mother of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was called Amina. The mother of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was called Amina. And she was the daughter of Wahab, who was the son of Abd Manaf. The son of Zuhra, the son of Kilab, the son of Murrah, the son of Ka'ab, the son of Lu'ay, the son of Ghalib. Here now, last week, we set the small homework. Where does the lineage of the Prophet Sallallahu from his father's side meet with the lineage from his mother's side? So we noticed that there was the name, which name? There was the name Abd Manaf that appeared twice. Because you can see Aminah was the daughter of Wahab, who was the son of Abd Manaf. When you look at the uh, lineage of the Prophet, he was the son of Abdullah, the son of Abdul Muttalib, the son of Hashim, the son of Abd Manaf. So is that where the two sides meet? No. Because in the lineage of the Prophet Abd Manaf was the son of Qusay. Whereas in the lineage of his mother, Abd Manaf is the son of Zuhra. So surely these two Abd Manaf are different people. So then where does the actual lineage meet after that? In Kelab. That is where that lineage then meets from the father's side of the Prophet ﷺ and the mother's side of the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet, his name was Muhammad, the son of Abdullah. His father's name was Abdullah. And his mother's name was Aminah. We also mentioned last week the next section, which was the birth of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We mentioned that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was born in where? In Mecca. He was born in Mecca, and that is definite, agreed upon, that he was born in Mecca. Wulida Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bi He was born in Makkah We already mentioned before that in Makkah of course the Kaaba was already there the Kaaba was there since the time of Ibrahim alayhi salam built by Ibrahim alayhi salam and Ismail so the Kaaba was there from a long time ago before and that Kaaba and Mecca was something that was noble even before Islam to the Arabs. It was something of respect to the Arabs and that's why when we mentioned about the story of the elephant when Abraha, that man Abraha, Came to destroy the Kaaba, came with the elephant, the army of the elephants to try and tie the chains around the Kaaba and then around the elephants and make the elephants run in the opposite direction with the chains to try and bring down the walls of the Kaaba. That, when he came, the Arabs were trying to stop him. As he was coming, every Arab tribe that could came in front of him, confronted him to try and stop him, but he crushed them all until he got to Mecca. But then Allah destroyed Abraha and his army, and they were unable to destroy the Kaaba. So the Kaaba, the area of Mecca, the Haram, they were respected and of nobility even from before even from before Islam. So that is where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi was born in Makkah, which is currently in the country known as Saudi Arabia. Makkah in Saudi Arabia, uh, where the Haram is, the Kaaba is Makkah. When was he born? Many of the scholars, they say he was born in the year of the elephant, and that is the year when that story happened, when Abraha came with an army, and in that army he had some elephants, and their plan was to come and destroy the Kaaba. that year when that happened, it is in that year that the historians say, the Prophet Wasallam was born, what date exactly was he born? In fact, that year, firstly, when was that year? How many years ago from now was that then? How many years ago was the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam born? So, what is the Islamic year right now? 1440. And we know the Islamic year 1440 right now. Begins from when? From the Hijrah How old was the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he made the Hijrah? 52, 53 So that means from the Hijrah date you can add on How many years? The 50 years Because the Hijra begins at the time of approximately 52-53 years old the prophet sallam after 13 years in Mecca he became a prophet at the age of 40 the Hijra occurred approximately 13 years later so he was approximately 53 and then the Hijri calendar began so the Prophet Sallallahu died when? Approximately 11 Hijri. Just after the Hajj of the 10th Hijri. So now you need to add on the initial years prior to the Hijra that the Prophet was alive, which is approximately 53. So if you have 1440, takes us to a, just just under 1,500 to make it rounded off. So the Prophet ﷺ was born just around about and under 1,500 years ago. They sometimes say in the English calendar, it matches up to... Right now in the English calendar or in the, the Gregorian calendar, we're at 2019. based upon the figures we've just done you better get your phones out based upon the figures we've just done if it's 2019 now and we've worked out approximately 493 so if you take away 493 from 2019 where does it take you? 1526 1526 But that doesn't work. It's not 1526. What you want is... It's about 500 years. It's 500 years away from the beginning of the Gregorian calendar, from the start of the Gregorian calendar. They sometimes say, you sometimes see the figure 570. You see that figure sometimes, 570. But basically, from those figures, basically... It's about 1,500 years ago. Thereabouts, without anything specific. Approximately 1,500 years ago is when the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, was born. Approximately there or thereabouts, loose figure of 1,500 years ago. We know right now the actual Islamic calendar from the Hijrah is 14 Forty, so that is the birth of the Prophet sallallahu in Mecca, and what date exactly? What about what day? We definitely know that the Prophet sallallahu was born on a Monday. Because there is a hadith about Monday, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, that is the day I was born, and that is the day that the revelation was revealed to me. And that is referring to Monday. So we know that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was born on a Monday. Monday and what date and what month. The scholars have different opinions about what date it was exactly. What month it was exactly. Here, it is mentioned in the text that it was in the month of Rabi' al-Awwal. That is one of the Islamic months of the Islamic calendar, Rabi' al-Awwal. What date? Maybe it was the 2nd of Rabi'ul-Awwal. Maybe it was the 8th, the this, the that. There are several different opinions about when in Rabi'ul-Awwal, the Prophet ﷺ was born. There is even an opinion, like we said last week, that he wasn't even born in the month of Rabi'ul-Awwal. He was actually born in Ramadan. There's an opinion... It's not a strong opinion, but it's an opinion that exists. So we don't have an exact date. There could be something which is more likely, perhaps the 2nd of Rabiul Awal, perhaps 12th, 8th, various dates. There could be some of those that are more likely, but it can't be said absolutely, definitively, it is this one or that one. So now that leads to The mistake that becomes apparent from the people these days: some people, some Muslims celebrate the birthday of the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Are we supposed to celebrate the birthday of the Prophet sallam? Absolutely not. Islamically, in Islam, we do not celebrate the birthday of the Prophet sallam. For one reason, because like we've just said, we don't actually 100% know the actual date. And that is something important. If it was a sunnah to celebrate the birthday of the Prophet sallam if Islamically in Islam, we were supposed to celebrate the birthday Then do you think the Sahaba, all of them, the Salaf, none of them would narrate the day when that used to happen? How would Islamically we lose the date if it was a Sunnah that we have to do it? And the Sahaba and the Salaf, they would have all known and memorized that date if it was a Sunnah and important for us to remember and celebrate on that day. The fact that it's not been remembered and preserved in that specific, precise way, indicates that it's not something of importance Islamically. So, there is no celebration of the birthday of the Prophet Birthdays generally are not Islamically celebrated. We don't celebrate our own birthdays, and we don't celebrate the birthday of the Prophet Wasallam. So, there are differences about the date, there are even differences about the year as we said. It could have been just either side of the year when the story of the elephant occurred. But there are some varying opinions about that. But what we can say as facts then, the Prophet was born in Mecca. He was born on a Monday. Most likely in Rabi' al-Awwal, on one of the dates from those opinions, and we cannot say exactly which, but that is some of the general details of the birth of the Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Then after that is the chapter we came to now, is Wafatu walidi rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ummihi wa we know that the prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa his mother and father actually died when he was still very young and in fact even his grandfather died when he was very young so this is what the chapter is going to mention now. Firstly, it says, وَمَا Abuhu." His father died. The father of the Prophet Muhammad died. And what was the father's name? Abdullah. The father of the Prophet Muhammad, Abdullah, the son of Abdul Muttalib, died... Wa Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and the prophet Muhammad the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam adata lahu famaniya wa 20 shahran this is an opinion that the prophet sallam was 28 months old at the time this is an opinion that he was basically 2 years and four months old. When his father died. So he was born. And his father died two years and four months after he was born. He was two years old. That is an opinion. That is what some have said. Others have said. <coughs> other scholars have said. قَالَ وَهُوَ إِبْنُ That his father died when he, the Prophet, was seven months old. That is an opinion in the books of history. Some of them say that the Prophet was seven months old when his father died. Others they say, another opinion وقال بعضهم مَا تَأَبُوهُ في دار النَّابِغَةِ وهو حمل others they say his father died whilst he Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was still not yet born his mother was pregnant with him But he wasn't born yet and his father already died. That is an opinion. And they've mentioned some of them, قِيل مَاتَ بِالْأَبْوَاءِ بَيْنَ مَكَّ وَالْمَدِينَةِ That he died, Abdullah, the father, died in a place known as al Abwa, which is between Makkah and Medina. (laughs) قال ابن جماعة وتوفي عبد الله والد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بالدار النابغة بالمدينة Some of them however say that he died in Medina Some of them say that he died in Medina عند اخواله بني عدي ابن نجار with his uncles from the tribe of uh, Bani Adi ibn al-Najjar or the sons of Adi the sons of al-Najjar and that is what is popular that is what is normally mentioned and normally said that he died alongside or he was with his uncles in Medina when he died but <coughs> و, uh, And then there is this other opinion which may be strange, that he died not in Medina, but in a place called Abwa, which is between Mecca and Medina. Of course, these are all historical facts or historical. Uh, points. So there may be some differing over them. Was it exactly here? Was it there? It's all history, historical points. And that's why with Seerah, it is one of the most difficult topics to get exact details on. It is history, historical points. And so there's always some differing, was it like this, was it like that, was it this year, that year, this date, that date, this age, that age, you're going to have a bit of that. Sira always has this difficulty in pinpointing things because it is history, historically records and historians may have some differences here and there over uh, various facts and points. So these are some of the things they mentioned about the death of the Prophet wasallam. Usually, the popular statement is that the father of the Prophet died, Abdullah died whilst the Prophet was still unborn. That is what you normally hear and what is widespread. That he died whilst he was still unborn. Tawfiyya Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib bil Madinah. Wa Rasulullah ibn Shahrin there is another opinion that his father died and the prophet wasallam was 2 months old so here four opinions have been mentioned four different ideas have been mentioned about this one is that the prophet sallam wasn't even born yet and his father died another that the prophet sallam was only 2 months old and his father died Another opinion the Prophet ﷺ was seven months old and his father died. And the other one that his father died and he was 28 months old. Those four opinions are mentioned here by Abdul Ghani al-Maqdisi rahimahullah ta'ala. rajih al-jumhur the strongest opinion from all of those four, and what the majority of the scholars, they say, بِأَنَّ وَالِدَ النَّبِيِّ توفي وَالنَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ جَنِينَ فِي بَطْنِ أمة. That the father of the Prophet died whilst the Prophet was still, being carried in the womb of his mother, unborn yet. That is the majority of the scholars. That is the strongest opinion regarding the death of the father of the Prophet ﷺ. And many scholars took that opinion, like Ibn Al-Qayyim, and Ibn Kathir, and Al-Imam Al-Dhahabi, and Ibn Hajar, Ibn Al-Jawzi, Many of the scholars they take the opinion that the Prophet sallam was not born yet, and his father already died. Then also in this chapter it mentions about the death of his mother, wa ummuhu, and the mother of the Prophet Wasallam also died. And he was four years old, it says here. That he was four years old. You sometimes hear also the opinion that he was six. That is also commonly mentioned. That he was six years old when his mother died. She died in that place Al Abwa, which is between Mecca and Medina. So they had been visiting, they'd been on a journey. His mother Amina had gone on a journey, taken her son, the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, gone on a journey to visit the uncles of Abdullah, his father. The uncles that we mentioned before, Bani Adi ibn Najah. So they'd gone there to visit those uncles, and as they were returning, then halfway, those uncles were where? In Medina. And the Prophet Sallallahu lived in Mecca. So they'd gone there to visit and as they were coming back, then on the way back she fell ill and she died at this place Al-Abwa. Of course we know the distance between Mecca and Medina. It's like 400 odd kilometers, 200 odd miles. So it was a big distance. They traveled in those days in the deserts with camels, etc. So now they were coming back, and on the way back in the place known as Al-Abwa, his mother fell ill and she died there. And there are some narrations about how the Prophet ﷺ visited her grave. And when he asked Allah regarding her and regarding seeking, forgiveness but then the ayah mentions you cannot seek forgiveness for those who died upon disbelief so you cannot seek forgiveness for those who died upon disbelief they did not die as muslims but to visit the grave to visit the grave so that was the death of his mother and he was only four and as some of them they mentioned six So after that now, his father has died, his mother has died, and he's only four or six at most. Then who looked after him after that? His grandfather. His grandfather from his father's side. His father, the Prophet Muhammad's father was Abdullah his grandfather was called Abdul Muttalib. -Muttalib. And why was he called Abdul Muttalib even though that wasn't really his name? What was his name? Shaybah or Shaybatul Hamd. And why was he called Abdul Muttalib? So Abdul Muttalib The grandfather of the Prophet ﷺ had an uncle called Al-Muttalib. So on one occasion, Al-Muttalib took his nephew, Abdul Muttalib as we know, on a journey. And when they arrived, everybody thought this young boy was just a slave boy that Al-Muttalib had brought along. So they began calling him the slave boy of Al-Muttalib, Abdul Muttalib. So, that is Abdul Muttalib, his name actually Shaybah, or Shaybatul Hamd, and that is the grandfather of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He is the one who then began looking after the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam after both of his parents had died. And, after he began looking after him, There came a time when he died too. So what age do they mention the Prophet ﷺ was when his grandfather Abdul Muttalib passed away as well? They mention مَا Abdul عَبْدُ الْمُطَّلِبُ وَهُوَ بْنُ ثَمَانِ سِنِينَ that his grandfather Abdul Muttalib passed away, and he was eight years old. So now, at the age of eight, his parents had passed away, his grandfather had passed away, and the scholars they mention, look at the nobility the Prophet ﷺ grew up in, despite this type of situation. Despite this type of situation and background, the Prophet sallam had parents died, grandfather died, but Allah Subhanahu wa Taala preserved the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi and that is because generally as well, we know about the background of the Prophet Quraysh and his lineage. They were all, all of them were of nobility, nobility as well. They were all of nobility. Even his mother and her lineage, they say, she was of the noblest, from the noble women of the time. So there was nobility also in the family of the Prophet wasallam. And as we said, before uh, the Prophet was born, his grandfather Abdul Muttalib was, at the time, recognized as a type of chief or leader of Mecca. Even though they didn't have exact leaders or people in authority like that, but he was recognized as the elder, the chief, the leader. So that is the background to the family and to the uh, upbringing and to the birth of the Prophet Then the next chapter, Alaihi Wasallam. This is now regarding... The upbringing of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the wet nursing of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. أرضعته Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam ثوائبة ثوائبة jariyatu أبي لهب ثوائبة This ثوائبة She was formerly, she used to be a slave girl of Abu Lahab. And then she was freed. She used to be a slave girl of Abu Lahab. And then she was freed. Thuwaybah, كانت مولات لأبي Lahab فأعتقها. توفيت سنة سبعة للهجرة. This Thuwaybah, who was from the wetness of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, used to be a slave girl of Abu Lahab, but then was freed. They say regarding her background that she died eventually in the seventh year of Hijrah. So just three or four years before the death of the Prophet sallam himself. Uh, واختلف في إسلامها. and they differ over whether she became Muslim or not. they differ over whether this ثوابا actually became Muslim or not. and that is mentioned in the in the various books. Uh, وأرضعت معه حمزة ابن عبد wa وأبا salama Abdullah Abdullah ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Asad Al Makhzumi Allactum bilaban ibnha masruh Alongside the Prophet who else was witnessed by her Hamza the son of Abdul Muttalib So who is Hamza to the Prophet Sallam His Uncle, Uncle, and what do you think? (laughs) Paternal uncle. His paternal uncle, the son of Abdul Muttalib. He was also witnessed by her, Abu Salama Abdullah, Ibn Abdul Asad al-Maghzumi also. And that she witnessed them from the milk, uh, from her son, Masrooh, in that, time uh, from that uh, context in that context and that is how she had that there was also another woman who also witnessed the Prophet Wasallam, and this is what you famously hear (laughs) Halima so you hear famously about the woman Halima the daughter of Abu Dhu'ayb as-sa'idiyah Halima the daughter of Abu Du'ayb, Al Sa'diyah. And her name is Halima, the daughter of Abu Du'ayb, Abdullah, the son of Al Harith, the son of Shajna, the son of Jabir, Al Sa'di, Al Bakri, Al Hawazini. Min Ummahatin Nabi, Sallallahu عليه وسلم Fir Rada'a. كانت زوجة الحارث ابن عبد العزة السعدي من بادية الحديبية So she was from the the outlands of al-Hudaybiyah. Out from those areas وكان المرضعات يقدمنا إلى مكة من البادية لإرضاع الأطفال ويفضلنا The women they would come from out in the deserts and the country and the open areas they would come to the cities and they would accept children to witness. They would accept children to do that. But they did used to prefer children whose parents or whose fathers were alive. Of course, with the Prophet Muhammad his parents were both, or his father was passed away. His father had passed away. فَتَسَلَّمَتُ حَلِيمَةُ مِنْ أُمَّهِ So, Halima accepted him, took him from his mother, Amina. His father had already passed away. وَنَشَأَ فِي بَادِيَةِ بَنِي سَعِدْ فِي وَأَطْرَافِهَا so then he was taken out, the Prophet Muhammad was taken out of Mecca to the open areas, as we call it here, countryside. Open, away from the city, away from the built-up area, in the open air, open lands, near the areas of Hudaybiyyah. And that, in those open lands, that's where he was uh, wet And they say that the city dwellers, the city dwellers, those who used to live in the cities or how we recognize the word city in those days, the built up areas like Mecca, they preferred to send their children out to the open lands and the open areas for the fresh air, for the better quality of life there in terms of health. They used to prefer to send them out there. So the Prophet ﷺ was also sent out there to the areas of Al-Hudaybiyyah. And then actually after that to Medina, and then she came back with him to his mother. And then, as we said, uh, the mother of the Prophet ﷺ actually died when he was only six, and then his grandfather looked after him. وقدمت حليم, وقدمت Afterwards, much later, when the Prophet ﷺ had now grown up and married Khadija, رضي الله عنها, وشكت إليه الجدب, this Halima. At that time, then came, she came to Mecca. Now the Prophet ﷺ had married Khadija anha, was elder. She came, Halima came, and she was complaining about a famine that was happening out there. So she came and spoke to Khadija, they say, about what was going on. And that Khadija gave her 40 sheep. Because they had the famine and the difficulty out there. So Khadija gave her 40 sheep, gave uh, Halima 40 sheep. And then it's also mentioned that later on after that, years later, now when the Prophet ﷺ had been given the revelation, the Prophethood, Halima then returned at some point in the future after that as well, with her husband, and that they both became muslim as well they both became muslim so that is regarding the young upbringing that the wetness the suckling occurred from thuwaybah who was the slave girl of abu lahab initially and then freed and also more famously as it's often narrated Halima who also witnessed the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in that young age that's where we're gonna round off for today those few small sections this is very simple how we're doing it so simple that you should remember every fact every fact we do here so simple how it's being done the summary is what we're using There's no big details, there's no big long explanations about things, simple facts. At the end of this book you should remember all of these facts, all of these details or all of these chapters. So we'll round off on that one today, next time we'll start with a small recap again like we did today from that section and then move on to mentioning the names of the Prophet ﷺ and then a bit about his upbringing in Mecca uh, and then when he went out on the business trip With his uncle Abu Talib Those stories from his young age We'll start with those from next week InshaAllah at 7.30pm We'll round off on that for today then wa اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ wa Any questions? It's um, uh, off the topic though, Go ahead uh, Do you know there's a, a, a Nike trainer And if you look at the bottom it says A-Max but If you put an angle it says Allah Pretty clearly so What's the situation? If you go, okay. With this type of thing where people they say turn it around and put a mirror on it and look at it at 45 degrees and do this and do that and you'll see the name Allah. It's not something which is that you need to put so much stress onto. That you have to look at every item so carefully and do this and do that. Oh there is the name of Allah. Who's told you to go and do that type of thing? That aside, you don't need to get involved in these types of things and these what they may call... In loose terms, conspiracy theories. You don't have to get involved in all this type of thing. Turn it around and put a mirror next to it. It's been for years, every product you can think of, they say these things. Every product, but turn it around and put something there so you can't see that side of it. And then do this and then you'll see it just there. That type of thing, don't waste your time on all of this type of thing. Nike though, specifically as a separate topic. Nike, you know, there was a fatwa a long time ago. Years ago, like 10, 20, 20 years ago, from a Sheikh Ahmed al Najmi, they asked him about the brand Nike, not about these names and turning around, just the brand Nike. Because Nike is named after a Greek god. The Greeks, they had all of those different gods that they used to have. One of them was called Nike. And so this brand is named after that Greek god. So then they went to the Sheikh and they asked him, Sheikh, this particular brand, it is named after a Greek god. That's what they've named it after. Nike. From that Greek god. So can we buy this? The Sheikh said, No. How are you going to buy a product or an item which has been named after a false deity and false god? So you shouldn't really buy Nike in the first place. Forget about all this. Nike is named after that deity, after that false god false deity Greek god or whatever it was so it shouldn't be used anyway then there is a statement some of the brothers they narrated it is mentioned it's available the audio Sheikh Ubaid Allah Ta'ala said if it's on your feet shoes that's degradation it's degradation anyway it's not honor boots or shoes that you wear on your feet and you tread in the dirt with so that wouldn't matter The only issue is, the only issue is, in the West, in Western culture, everybody knows this about themselves, when you buy a pair of shoes, it's not degradation or nothing here. You pay 100, 200 pounds not to degrade those. You pay 100, 200 pounds for respect. Look at my Nikes. Look at my this, look at my that. That's how it is. So really, the fatwa of Shaykh Ahmed it's, it's what, what I understand. Nike is the name of a Greek god. And so you shouldn't be buying that anyway. Forget about this thing now. <coughs> shouldn't be buying that anyway if it's the name of a Greek god. And the thing about degradation, the reality in the Western culture is, as far as I understand, Allah alam, that you don't pay 200 pounds to degrade them. You pay those 200 pounds because you want people to see them. And you want to be seen wearing those top trainers with this... Uh, facility on them and this air and whatever else and they say so really you shouldn't be buying that anyway as far as I know shouldn't buy that product anyway as far as I know no still because that tick everybody in the world knows it's Nike. Nike it's a representation of it but there are so many companies what do you have to you know, no choice there's no options there are so many options out there we were kids, we used to have mercury. Nobody remember mercury? Mercury? still Is it there now? Before their time, Mercury, you know, mercury, huh? before your time. Mercury used to go pay eight pounds or nine pounds and get your mercury trainers with little air. The fake air thing, plastic, whatever it used to be. So you don't have to waste your money and all these. Why would you pay 200, 300 pounds for these things? Go buy some other brands, others, many available. Sir, no, I'm so, I was going to ask you regarding proper in the uh, then there was no prophet or messenger, so they were still dead as disbelievers. So also, isn't that the um, excuse of ignorance or anything like that with them? That is not Ahlul possible? Fitra, it is mentioned, are the ones who the religion did not come to. It didn't come to them. There was a period between prophets and messengers when nothing came to them. But that doesn't apply to everyone and everywhere. Here the religion of Ibrahim a.s. continued, the religion of Isa a.s. continued. So that doesn't apply in every place and every time. There are certain situations where that applies, and you can say these were a people where it was a Ahl al as they say, the in-between in time zone, where the last messenger came and went, and the next one came, but in-between there was a time zone where nothing was there. So then they are excused, or they are given another test, but that isn't to be applied in a general thing to everyone. So those before, when the when Prophet's parents died, were they the correct ones who the, the ones that followed Isa at that time? Yeah, because previously, the ones who were upon the right way, even Ibrahim alayhi salam, because the remnants of the religion of Ibrahim alayhi salam existed amongst the, the Musharikun at the time of the Prophet <coughs> they, uh, Some of the beliefs that they had, some of what they did, it was from the religions of the Prophet's of Ibrahim, etc. From before that, especially Ibrahim salam, in that situation, as we said, because the lineage came through from Ibrahim a.s. So they had remnants of that religion coming through from Ibrahim salam. They used to do Umrah, they used to do Hajj, the Mushrikun. Mushrikun used to do Umrah and Hajj. How did they used to do Umrah and Hajj? Before the Prophet and everything, they used to do Umrah and Hajj. Remnants, but how? All types of shirk, how they used to do it? All, you know, the, the strange ways how they used to do it. Naked around the Kaaba and all types of things. And when they do the talbiya, لَبَّيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ لَبَّيْكَ La Sharika شَرِيكَ لَكَ Illa sharikun Laka Tamliku تَمْلِكُهُ Ma They used to say, لَبَّيْكَ allahumma لَبَّيْكَ Everything that I am in your obedience and tawheed and everything. But then they used to add on at the end another line that you do not have any partners except maybe a partner you do have but you control him, he doesn't control you. And they were affirming partners to Allah and doing the hajj. Affirming partners to Allah and doing this tawaf and naked and everything. They used to do all types of things, but they had leftovers of that coming through. Can you clarify who Ibn jawzi is? Yes. Ibn jawzi one of the scholars? No, because it Ibn Ibn al-Muqayna. No, no yeah, yeah, Ibn, uh, Ibn al isn't uh, al-Jawzi anyway. Ibn Al-Qayyim is different. Ibn Al-Qayyim is Ibn Al-Qayyim Al-Jawziya. Al-Jawziya. al How do you say it? That's what I said in the books. Al-Jawziya. Ibn Al-Qayyim. Al-Jawziya. The one say, no. uh, Farj, Ibn Al-Jawziya. Ibn Al-Jawziya. That's the other one. But Ibn Al-Qayyim. How do you say the name of Ibn Al-Qayyim? Al-Jawziya. Al-Jawziya. Is it? Al-Jawziya well since we didn't set any homework today <laughs> your homework is there's a, a, a difference in how you pronounce the name of Ibn al-Qayyim there are two pronunciations there are two pronunciations it's a, a small benefit we can do for this week there are two pronunciations of the name of Ibn al-Qayyim how do those two pronunciations work what are they let's see you can find it there are two pronunciations let's see you can find those for next week we'll, we'll mention them next week but they 're different scholars, two different scholars, two different scholars here yeah. all right we 'll conclude there next week.